Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin is a personal friend. He's an American war hero, and he'll join us to talk about what we should be doing to deal with riots in the streets and a pandemic. Welcome to another Real American Heroes special edition. I'm Oliver North, and our guest today, Lieutenant General William G. Jerry Boykin, United States Army, retired. General Boykin spent a 36-year career in the United States Army. He was one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force, ultimately commanding these elite warriors in combat. General Boykin served his last four years of his military career as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. He's an ordained minister and is currently the Executive Vice President of the Family Research Council and, oh, by the way, a dear friend of mine, as is his lovely wife, Ashley. They have five children and a growing number of grandchildren, but they'll never catch us with 18. General, first of all, thank you for taking time to be with us today. I, I want, oh, thank you, Alec. No, I'm grateful. I, I want your perspective on whether the COVID-19 virus, as some have said, was a deliberate attack by the Chinese Communist Party or simply something that got out of control. The Chinese tried to hide the facts. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, that a uh, great question. I think that uh, the jury is still out on that. I think that uh, there is a growing body of evidence that there was uh, th that it was a deliberate attack, but I don't think that that's conclusive. I think that uh, at worst, at worst, uh, it uh, probably is something that got out of hand uh, that the Chinese were producing this thing in this weapons grade laboratory, and then it got out of hand. And uh, immediately they shut down the media, they shut down the doctors, they shut down the uh, scientists, they would let no one talk about it. And then they lied uh, about how it was transmitted. They lied about the origin of it. And, uh, but the, the thing that uh, compels you to at least consider whether it was a deliberate attack is the fact that it really had no impact on the two largest cities in China, yeah. Shanghai and Beijing. Neither of them was really affected by the COVID. And you can, uh, you can look at uh, videos of uh, President Xi when he went into a hospital where there were COVID patients and, and he only wore a mask. Well, did that mean that he had some kind of vaccination already that they had prepared? Uh, I don't know whether they, it was a deliberate attack or not, but what we do know is that they are complicit in uh, in the spread of this thing and uh, I, I think that they're culpable in this whole thing regardless of whether it was an error or whether it was deliberate i, I i'm looking at uh, at the consequences of a criminal act in minneapolis precipitating literally riots and legitimate protests all across the country and wondering what are the Chinese saying about that in their disinformation campaigns Oh, yeah, the Chinese are right in the middle of this. And, you know, I think one of the top experts in this country today is Gordon Chang uh, as it relates to China. And I think Gordon has been very clear in terms of uh, the Chinese are right in the middle of this. The Chinese are exploiting this with their propaganda campaign. Uh, and, and what they're trying to do, first of all, is discredit the Trump administration, the same thing that so many uh, in the media and on the left are trying to do right now, but the Chinese are are using this uh, as an opportunity to really go after our president because the last thing that they want to see is this president reelected. 
Well, what do you think of President Trump's leadership and the handling of the pandemic and, quite honestly, the unrest that's, that's now transpiring, moderated somewhat, apparently, but the unrest that's happening in America's cities? Well, first of all, with regards to his leadership on the pandemic, I think that he's uh, shown a lot of leadership. I think he's also had some very bad advice. I think he's had some people around him that uh, did not serve him well through this whole thing. And uh, I, I can't say whether that was intentional or whether it was just the fact that we were confronted with an unknown situation here that no one really knew what to, to think of this. But uh, I think, for example, this whole idea of shutting down our entire economy was ill-advised. The problem is, if you look at it realistically, when the president is publicly advised to shut down our economy with the exceptions that were provided for, uh, then if he doesn't do that, then every person that dies from that point on, uh, he's going to be blamed for. Every grandmother that dies in a nursing home, he's going to be blamed for it. So it was a no-win situation for the president, but I've got to tell you, I think he's uh, provided uh, incredible leadership here. And, uh, and now you look at the markets and you look at uh, the jobless reports and we're coming back and we're coming back only a few days after we've opened. And I think that that says a lot about his leadership. And that means that the public's confidence, regardless of what the polls say, the public's confidence in him being able to restore our economy is very high, and I think that's why we're seeing uh, great jobless numbers as well as uh, uh, the markets. Well, FRC's got a lot of supporters around the country. What are, what are they saying about what, as they look forward, what's the new normal going to be like for America? Yeah, I think the new normal is going to be something that we could never have envisioned. First of all, let's just start with universities, colleges. Uh, are moms and dads now, as a result of this, going to look at uh, the thirty to fifty thousand dollars they're paying a, a year for an education, and say, "Wait a minute, you, you just did a whole semester online. Uh, why can't we do that in the future? Why can't uh, we reduce our cost?" I think that you're going to see a, a lot more of that. And I will tell you that we at the Family Research Council now, as you look at churches and you look at uh, Christian institutions and five hundred one c threes. We've been communicating by Zoom and, and uh, we've been doing webcast and that type of thing ever since this whole shutdown started. And I must tell you, we are, we're doing very well. We're doing very well. We've, we've had as much as 1,700 uh, people on some of our webcasts. And we've had uh, the President of the United States come on our webcast and talk to people. And I got to tell you, this year's Values Voters Summit which is our big event of the year, is going to wind up being a virtual event in September. And uh, what we're, we, we're seeing is that there's going to be a lot more of this in the future. But I also think that what, we've, what we're going to see is we're going to see a, a reluctance uh, of people to gather in large numbers for the foreseeable future until there's a vaccine. And the vaccine has its own problems. The vaccine is also something that is... I think, questionable. Uh, so I think that the new normal is not something we could have envisioned even three months ago, but uh, we're, we're going to see a different pace in America. We're going to see a different, this whole social distancing, I think, is something that is that we're going to continue to maintain for the foreseeable future. 
When you look at all that's transpired over the course of the last, you know, basically since January, and, and looking at the numbers of people who've lost jobs, and yes, it's better, but some of those jobs will never be back. And on top of that, the, the, the Antifa types who took this protest, a justifiable protest, I want to point out, but they, they, they took and pirated and the looting, the burning, the destruction, the threats, and the, and the physical harm that they've caused other people as a consequence, many of those jobs are not going to come back. And there are many of them in minority communities. And I'm not seeing, you know, look, you and I both live in Virginia, so I've got my own beef with this governor keeping people out of church. I mean, this, he's been doing it now for, what, two months, more? Yeah. And, and usually when you saw pandemics and plagues and, and pestilence, it was the Christians who stayed behind, who helped people who had it, who basically showed the teachings of Jesus Christ happening around them. I, I don't see that happening in this case, in large part because we can't go to church. Am I wrong? No, I think you're right. And look, I, I think this governor has demonstrated to people that a lot of what they called conspiracy theory in the past is not conspiracy theory. You know, there's been a there's been a, a, a fairly legitimate concern by conservatives that uh, the the left was going to try yeah. to take guns away from law-abiding citizens, yeah. and uh, and and it was uh, it was foo-fooed as a uh, conspiracy theory. We will know that's exactly what this governor and this legislature in our state has tried to do. Now, they got enough pushback when over 20,000 people showed up at the state capitol uh, with their AR-15s hanging around their necks. They, 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 they realized that this may be an overreach. Uh, but you, you see exactly the same thing, though, the, with churches. Uh, we've been saying, we here at the Family Research Council have been saying that uh, the big fight uh, today and in the future is over religious liberty. And now you're seeing them letting people walk up and down the streets, loot stores, uh, and no mask, no social distancing, nothing, but you can't go to church unless you can provide six feet between everybody and people are wearing masks. This is, a, this is prophetic, quite frankly. You've got a lot of that right here in this new book. Uh, I, I, I just want to tell everybody right now, this book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, is something every man ought to get, and if you can, get it in time for Father's Day. Because part of our problem, FRC deals with it routinely. Freedom Alliance deals with it in the case of families that have been disrupted by the wounds of war. This book is all about manhood. Tell us about it. Yeah, I've been uh, speaking about uh, that for about a decade now because I'm burdened for the the masculinity in America, the, the degradation of masculinity in America, the denigration of masculinity, the criticism of masculinity. And that book has really come in. It's just not politically correct, as you know, and you're, uh, you're one of the people that has endorsed it. It's, uh, in fact, the publisher, our friend Gary Tereshita said, you know, they're going to kick your backside over this book. And I said, good, that's where I want to be. It is about restoring masculinity at a time when America so needs its men. We need men now to step up in every sector of our, our, our nation. We need men to step up and be men. And this talks about what a man is supposed to be. It's spot on.
I appreciate it. Last question. Yeah. 50 years from now, you and I probably won't be here, but our great grandkids are study, will be studying about this extraordinary time in history. What do you want them to know about what you, my dear friend Jerry Boykin did in the midst of all this unprecedented activity? I want the same thing you do, Ollie. I want my grandchildren to remember me as someone who cared about their future and stood up for what I believed in. You're the best brother. You give my love to Ashley, who whelped Casey's right here beside me, the best hunting dog on the planet Earth. I want to thank you for being with us and giving facts that our fellow Americans can use in these challenging times. Now, we're going to continue documenting the history of this never-before crisis with these special coronavirus episodes. So if this Real American Heroes special broadcast has been informative, helpful, or encouraging to you, take time to subscribe and let me know how these unprecedented events have affected you and yours. By doing so, you can become part of this historical record of how America persevered and once again prospered. Until next time, remember, Semper Fidelis is more than a slogan for U.S. Marines. Always faithful is a way of life. And because he's my friend, I will also say De Opresso Liber, the motto of the Special Forces. God bless you, sir. Now, America, press on, press on. <laughs>